Hello and welcome to a Wednesday, January 24th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Horace, and I get back on here with my guy, Ramiz, as we take on an eight-game slate that is going to be gracing us on this Wednesday evening. So lots uh, to potentially think about, lots of uh, questionables and outs here that could end up making a lot of difference. But speaking of making a big difference... Ramiz, man, back on. I think it's been uh, – we, we had the opportunity a, uh, a week ago, but then in general it's just kind of been off and on. But I think uh, the last uh, head-to-head, uh, you uh, you ended up taking that. Is that what it was? Uh, I, last one I canceled to, well, of course, the the loss of the Warriors assistant coach because mm. I picked Colin Six and you had R.J. Barrett. Right. <laughs> the battle of the mids. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think I tracked it because I hate RJ Barrett so much, but uh, I'll, I'll even give it to you instead. I don't want to look at RJ's face. That's a whole different thing. I think that was the day we had so many similar picks that we couldn't go with like, the higher end. <laughs> That's true. I mean, hey, I'm I'm okay with us having a little bit of alignment in, in how we're looking, but uh, you know, yesterday Kenny and I I think had a completely and utterly different approach as to how we went about uh, looking at the games, and looking at it so far, it's. Uh, it's seeming like uh, I may have a little bit of an edge on on the guys that I took, but hey, that's uh, that's just how it goes. But to keep you in the edge, as always, you got to get yourself subscribed to SportsEthos.com with that DFS pass to get yourself access to all of our amazing content, our DFS delivery, which yours truly is also going to be writing for tomorrow. So hmm, a little self plug over there, but you'll get the wager line. You'll get uh, all of the props. And, of course, you get access to our Discord. So you can go ahead and ask the pros all the way up until lineup lock for just what is going to make all the difference on the slate over here. And there is really a lot to talk about when it does come to this slate. Uh, and you said eight games coming in, uh, a bunch of them that do have a bit of a question mark above them in terms of an availability of some key guys that could end up making pretty large difference as far as rotations are concerned so we definitely want to keep ourselves aware of what's going on there which is why again that live injury report that's there on sports ethos is going to be super super clutch to keep yourself up to date with but let's start talking about the point guard side of things as far as this slate is concerned and uh one thing that's kind of been up here for me is the prices have adjusted themselves a little bit here to make it some pretty interesting picks to be able to go ahead and try and take advantage of here. And I'm going to start first off with just my mid-tier pick at Fred Van Vliet, 7,400 coming into this game here, uh, sitting at a price tag that has been just about 100 more than what he had last game. He absolutely crushed that against Utah, where he ended up putting 42 DK points on that one, following up a 51 DK point night that he had the game before and both of those were pretty similar as far as his pure shooting was concerned it really just comes down to his ability to be able to rack up a lot of dimes in a hurry right now and that's really what he's been thriving on in that houston offense which he is running running really well even if his shot is not necessarily hitting on a consistent basis both inside the uh, three-point arc and outside what we are getting is a very solid performance from him on a regular basis, and at this price tag, I just don't find that there's much to worry about as far as his floor is concerned. Uh, Portland, for for their side of things, definitely not a team that has uh, that, that's the easiest way to be able to put it. 
is not really been putting up much of a fight in a lot of their games, you're either going to see a blowout loss for them, or if they happen to win, those are the games where everything is clicking for them and they happen to do really well from pure game. And they may even get a blowout win. So we've been kind of finding these really big spreads that we're getting with those Portland games. So that's something to definitely consider. But Houston, for their own part, are just as young a squad, and I expect that this will be a relatively close game. We don't have a spread just as of yet because of the fact that we are still um, kind of waiting on what uh, a, a couple of these situations are going to look like. Jalen Green, for example, has been listed as questionable uh, coming into this game, so that's something. Uh, we already know Tari Eason is out, so that's uh, another aspect over there. But it really just comes down to what it is that uh, we'll potentially see as far as spread's concerned. So he's my first pick over there. Uh, the next one, and this is someone that's uh, returning back from injury, so it's definitely going to be interesting to see what restrictions, if any, are going to be in place. And that's on Kate Cunningham, who's sitting at a 7,800, which is definitely a depressed price tag from the levels that he was playing uh, prior to uh, going down, which was pretty comfortably in that mid-8,000 spark. So for me, it's just very clearly going to be any news that comes out in terms of what his uh, minutes totals are going to look like. If we're finding that he's going to be able to be good to go, play his regular allotment of minutes. I think this is an amazing matchup for him. The Charlotte and Detroit game is likely to be one of the uh, higher spreads on the night over here. We're still waiting for kind of the finalization of what that's going to look like, probably because of the Terry Rozier trade that was announced earlier in the day, and we're going to see what that's going to end up looking like. But K-1700 just gives you so much upside. And you know, this is a bit of a, a point guard, shooting guard scenario, so I'm going to go ahead and throw him in both of that. And that's going to be DeJounte Murray as my expensive pick at 8,400 over here. And really just comes down to two very simple things. One, Murray himself has been on a very solid run, four straight games of 41 DK points or more, hitting all the way up to 61 in that last game against Sacramento. And we're likely to see that floor continues to be that little bit higher, given the fact that Trey Young has already been ruled out for this game with a uh, with a concussion that has been lingering from that uh, Cleveland matchup that he had on the 20th. So I believe this is going to be his second game out, and we're still waiting on a kind of firm timeline on when we'll see him back on the floor. But that's kind of the, uh, the major areas I'm looking at here. I didn't really want to jump too much into value over here because I believe my value is going to come at the, uh, at the wing spot. But uh, what are you looking at as far as point guards are concerned? Uh, well, at point guard, this is where my biggest spend-up came, and that was uh, Steph Curry at 9,100. Uh, I think the Warriors have had a lot of rest. And I think perhaps the extra motivation will be just to have a great game and kind of get things back onto a float. Because, of course, before the games got postponed, of course, of the unfortunate loss of their assistant coach, uh, they were still struggling to win games. And I think, I mean, this is a great way for Warriors to kind of have that comeback and hopefully start something really big and maybe an upcoming stretch of some great basketball so they can get a playoff run in. Uh, so I think at 9100, I think this is one of those games where I think, especially against Atlanta, which is not really a defensive team, I think Steph Curry can definitely get his best version out in terms of this game, especially because it's going to be happening in uh, uh, Chase Center. So I think uh, 9100 is one of my favorite picks in terms of the upper echelon uh, when it comes to value. Uh, mid-tier, I guess, is more expensive side of mid-tiers. I'm not going to speak too much on him because you mentioned him, and that was preventively at 7400. Uh, I think one of the, my favorite things about Van Fleet, I think you probably know this as well, is that he can when he has a good game, he has a really good game. I mean, he'll always he'll get you over 50 DK fantasy points and just really hit the numbers where you want to, even if you'll struggle from in, in a, from uh, not being efficient. Uh, so at 7,400, I think it is a really solid price where you can kind of go for that risk 
knowing the upside in terms of what you can get for him. Uh, and in my budget pick, I decided to go with Nick Smith Jr. at 4,100 because, like you mentioned, Terry Rozier was traded. Uh, so that's a scoring guard that they lost. And even if Lowry plays, I don't know if Lowry's that scorer. Uh, so I think maybe Nick Smith Jr. has a lot more opportunity to just be a bucket getter and score. And he's only 4,100, so it's pretty low price and a player who I like to just maybe pair up if I'm going for someone like Steph. Yeah, I like it. I think those are uh, some opportunities to kind of be you know, boomer bust as far as some of these picks are concerned, and you can get a little bit more potential value out of that uh, out of that guard spot. I'm kind of waiting to see what the rotation looks like by and large as far as what Charlotte is going to do. As you said, Kyle Lowry is a bit of a, a question mark coming into all of it. Obviously, LaMelo is there doing his own thing. So it's just a an interesting – it's going to be interesting to see who it is that ends up getting to pick up the slack or whether the – Usage is just really going to be uh, spread out amongst uh, the remaining kind of big offensive options as far as Charlotte is concerned. Uh, moving into the shooting guard side of things, and this is uh, with a little bit of a caveat because we are trying to keep up on injury stats over here. And really, as far as Dallas is concerned, both Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving are coming into this game questionable. So definitely want to keep an eye out on what those are looking like there, because if it is what we are seeing as far as both of them being ruled out. We could very well be seeing a situation where Tim Hardaway Jr. gets to go out and just absolutely chuck 23 to 25 shots, which we have has seen him get the opportunity to do in games where either one or both of these guys are missing and end up having a scenario where he could have a ceiling of somewhere close to 50 DK points just because he's going to be uh, having all of those opportunities to be able to put up points. And to his credit, I mean, he's been really, really good at uh, the... Uh, at three points specifically at home he's averaging 41 percent from the field uh shooting from three at home in comparison to 32 percent away which is very interesting you'll have to see if that uh, at some point starts to normalize but if there's someone who likes home cooking it's him and they get to face uh dallas uh, or they get to face phoenix at home in dallas which i mean i'm kind of hoping that luca can play because who doesn't love a good uh, devin booker luca Doncic? A fight at this point it just seems like it's a, uh, a given every time to go out onto the floor so that's definitely something of interest uh, that being said if uh, any of those guys are playing i do expect that this game will stay relatively closer as a result of it but um given all that we've been seeing so far i'm kind of hesitant to be able to look at devin booker but i do think bradley beal is still a legitimate option to be able to take uh, regardless of how things end up working out i'm still waiting to really have phoenix uh, fully integrate him to the level that he should be as far as his uh, his offensive involvement should be. I mean, he's getting enough shots to be able to get uh, a decent amount of points total over there, but it's really the lack of kind of overall ball handling capabilities that he's had. He's been playing a lot more off ball, which I mean, it's to be expected to a certain amount, but I, I would say from a pure ball handling capability, he does have a lot more than they are uh, really putting out into him at the moment. And I, I think 7,000 gives you enough kind of safety as far as his floor is concerned because he usually doesn't have absolute duds. If he has a game in which he's not doing amazingly well, he'll end up somewhere in the high 20s, low 30s, which won't absolutely kill you for his price tag. But if he can get his offense and hit the rest of it going as we expect, we've already seen him have games in the high 40s, low 50s as far as DK points are concerned. So I do like him as a, a bit of a uh, contrarian pick because I expect that there'll be more ownership on some of these more uh, expensive guys on here. It's a good matchup in general. Uh, Dallas has been really bad at defending opposing guards, and I expect that uh, if they are fully healthy, we might see Devin Booker get a little bit more usage on, on this matchup here. But 
given all of that, I do still like uh, uh, do still like the option of taking Bradley Beal at the price tag that he is at. Uh, the other uh, scenario that I'm looking at over here, and this is jumping a little aside to the uh, OKC and San Antonio game over here, and that's with uh, with uh, Devin Vassell as my point guard, shooting guard kind of combo over here. Now for him, what I really liked over the last uh, little bit, just watching a lot of Spurs games because who doesn't want to watch Wemby? But at the same time, I also am liking what Jeremy Sohan's doing, so it's helping my uh, fantasy team out. But from his perspective, there, Devin Vassell has really gotten the opportunity to run a lot more point guard. Like I know he's been listed as that for the San Antonio Spurs all season, but it's really been Sohan who they were trying to put into that kind of bit of a like full-on point guard slot, but he's also a forward at the same time, so it's kind of a, a weird fit. But to Sohan's uh, credit, he's actually worked on being a lot better from a kind of dribble handoff and an off-ball player this season as, as time has gone on. He's really benefited from his production going up as a result, but it's come because Devin Vassell has gotten the opportunity to be a lot more of a traditional point guard for the San Antonio Spurs. So for him, 6,800, he's got... Uh, uh, three straight games where he's had 36 DK points or more. So obviously great as far as price tag is concerned there. What's even better is his efficiency is quite a bit up over the last little bit as well. Two straight games over uh, 53% from the field. And he's also shooting about uh, 50% from the three-point line over the last uh, week and a half as well. So you know, OKC is obviously not a uh, an amazing matchup from a, uh, from a pure fact that OKC themselves is likely to win this game. But what the Spurs have uh, found themselves being is a lot more pesky at home. Those away games have not really done all that well for them, although they had a, I'd say, a half-decent road trip, given the fact that they did beat uh, two teams out of uh, out of four that they had in that last run. Actually, it was two out of uh, two out of five, so not the best, but they probably expected to uh, lose against uh, Philly, Boston, Atlanta, and they did pick up some good wins against Washington and Charlotte. So it's, it's kind of where you expect, but what we have seen is that the Spurs have done much better at home on the whole and really been able to push teams a little bit further. Going back to that whole idea of home versus away split, Devin Vassell, to his credit, has shot 38% from three versus 35 uh, home versus away. Uh, his efficiency overall goes up by about uh, about a percent and a half at that time as well. So it's just a lot to like as far as his overall um, overall outlook is looking as far as the Spurs are concerned. And I do like him as my kind of uh, mid-tier pick over there. Uh, so starting off with my shooting guards, I did do some, I guess, cheating or finesse in a way. And we went to John Murray at 8,400 because, of course, he has dual eligibility. And he will most likely be playing point guard, but he has the ability to play shooting guard as well. So, I mean, this wasn't a pick that I was looking at uh, until recently because Trey Young was questionable. And obviously, you don't know if he's going to play. But, of course, with Trey Young out, I mean, it doesn't take rocket science to know that John Murray is going to have a ball a whole lot. And in this matchup against Golden State, I don't think there's a defender who could probably guard him uh, pretty solidly. So I think at 8,400, like you said, he's had a great streak of games uh, where Trey Young has not played either. So I don't see why he can't continue it uh, against Golden State. Uh, in the mid-tier area, I decided to go with Jaden Ivey at 6,900. Of course, uh, Cade is probable to play, but I just really like this matchup for Jaden Ivey. I don't think they really have an interior big who's known as a rim protector or such. So I think J.D. Ivey will still be able to attack the rim. I think he still should have the confidence of kind of doing what he was doing without Cade on the floor. And hopefully he can carry that same momentum through this game against uh, Charlotte because I don't think he will have a lot of ownership. Because I think because due to the fact of Cade coming back, maybe it just kind of throws people away from that pick. But I still think it's a pretty solid pick to go for a 6,900. 
Uh, another mature pick I decided to go with was Brogdon at 6,700. Uh, I was lucky enough to point out Brogdon at 54, when he was priced at 5,400 against the Pacers. And he had 50 DK fantasy points tonight. So that's that was one of my favorite D, uh, DraftKings nights, of course. Uh, so I think at 6,700, he's, uh, he's one of the players who can also just kind of have around 40 DK fantasy points. And I think around 30 because, of course, uh, I want to say, uh, what's his name? Shaden Sharp is still injured, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so therefore, it's just Scoot who else handles the ball, uh, ball, ball handling duties, pardon me, and, and Fernie Simmons. Uh, but and Fernie Simmons uh, away from Portland is just a completely different player. And I think Brogdon being the vet probably just maybe more comfortable playing against a team like Houston. And then budget-wise, I decided to go with John Cotchar at 4,000. Uh, this is a pretty cheap player who I know will probably have rotation, probably get around 20 minutes, maybe a bit more. Uh, and he's a player who can have some of those games where he can get you a few, you know, like around 10 plus points, get you a few assists, a couple rebounds, and just have a, a little impact. And at 4,000, I think he's a, a player you can expect to sometimes have a pretty great upside at that price. Yeah, no, completely fair. I think those are some solid picks to be able to look at. And, you know, I, I've noticed you found a little bit more value on those uh, point guard, shooting guard slots to be able to go ahead and potentially put out as upside picks. Well, that's really because I was uh, looking at the uh, the forward side here to be able to look at some of those opportunities to potentially get some guys who could get you 6, 7x on a given night. And really, we're going to start uh, from the top over here again on the, on the mid-tier side of things. And really, I wouldn't say this is a a bit of a secret at this point it's kind of it's kind of known that uh, vince williams for memphis has gotten a bit of a green light to be able to go ahead and play really as many minutes as, as he can go ahead and handle he's playing about three different slots for them even though he's set up just as a small forward but depending on the lineup he's either playing shooting guard small forward even power forward in some of these ones and what we have seen as a result is him having some pretty sneaky rebounding upside on a pretty regular basis uh, out of the last five games he's averaged a little over seven rebounds a game in that time uh, alongside shooting anywhere between 11 to 13 shots and ending up averaging about uh, 16 real points in that time as well so he's very much been on the rise as far as his uh, rest of season outlook is concerned given that memphis have really very little to play for on their end and he just uh, continues to give you the opportunities to be able to drop anywhere between high 30s to low 40s as far as his DK points are concerned. So at 6,500, incredibly safe floor. He's going to play enough minutes to be able to put up uh, enough stats across the board. So I do like taking him for his opportunity over there. Uh, going down a little bit further than that, though, and this is going to be kind of a a bit of an interesting matchup to keep out an eye on anyways, just given the fact that obviously the Warriors have been off for about uh, – about nine days at this point uh, with uh, the two postponements that they had. But again, going back to what uh, I had, believe I'd mentioned on the last time we were together, which was Andrew Wiggins uh, getting the opportunity to kind of get back to his regular minutes totals and try and make a little bit more of an impact in what has been a really disappointing season for him so far. And uh, for the Warriors in general, for him to either you know extract some value if his uh, trade rumors are in fact true, or if it's just to help get him back going. What we are seeing is that his minutes total is back to 31 minutes and above over the last three games that he's played. And I do expect that the return of Raymond will help uh, really just the Warriors be able to get back into some sort of a flow together, try to get their offense you know, clicking back on all cylinders. And for really for that to happen, it does require a little bit uh, more coming from Andrew Wiggins on an offensive side than what we have seen earlier on. So for him to be sitting all the way down at 5,400 in a 
pace-up matchup against an Atlanta team, which can score in a hurry, but has definitely not been defending well uh, throughout the season. It puts them in a great opportunity to be able to hopefully drop somewhere into the mid to high 30s once again. And I expect that uh, Wiggins will be looking to take advantage of that, given what we're seeing. And then finally, moving a little bit uh, further down again into some more of the value on here. So going back to that uh, Portland and uh, and Houston game, now we know with uh, with uh, Fred Van Vliet out and a couple other guys at the time uh, being out in general, we saw that Cam Whitmore was able to go ahead and take advantage and get himself into some pretty solid uh, stat lines, get the opportunity to start. But more so than that, with uh, Tari Easton out still for at least the next couple of games, he's really been the one to step up to kind of be that kind of slottable guy in a lot of different uh, uh, different potential uh, lineups for the Houston Rockets and end up playing anywhere between uh, 26 to uh, 28 minutes, which is really all he needs for this price tag to be able to put up a pretty decent stat line. What he has shown up until now is a pretty sneaky ability to be able to rack up a block and a steal a game on a, on a reg- regular basis, alongside the fact that he also will put up anywhere between five to seven three-point attempts in that matchup as well. So really, as long as he's having even a half-decent shooting night to be able to get him to kind of that double digit scoring even if it's in the low teens usually the rest of his stat line will be there in a place to be able to go ahead and get him to comfortably class this value over here so portland being probably one of the best matchups from a pace perspective that you can possibly get uh, portland themselves not being an amazing team by any stretch of the imagination will probably give him a little bit more leeway to be on the floor and uh, maybe work past some of those early mistakes that we can sometimes see that causes him to get kind of a lower minutes total there. So I expect this is uh, another chance for him to go ahead and put up some uh, pretty decent numbers and easily get you uh, anywhere between six to six to seven X on his value there. Uh, So on my small forwards, I didn't really go for any expensive tier ones. Uh, I find more success in the mid tiers in terms of my picks. Uh, starting off with someone you mentioned, Vince Williams at 6,500, a uh, solid player who, of course, Memphis has found out of randomness and just made him a success because he's been able to do multiple things on the floor. Uh, it doesn't just stop at his rebounding. I mean, he's scored points, he's scoring threes, he's scoring, uh, he's getting assists. Uh, and of course, with no job, no Desmond Bain, I mean, he's been doing a pretty solid job, if you ask me, in a 6,500. Like you mentioned, he he'll probably be able to get X, uh, X amount of his uh, compare X times his value. Uh, and then another pick I went for was Brandon Miller, 6,100. Uh, another pick who has been playing pretty solid basketball and without tier was here, uh, there will be a lot of shots opened up and maybe Brandon Miller is one who can take advantage and hopefully have another solid night as what he's been continuously having. Uh, and then a bit cheaper than him at 5,800 is Keldon Johnson. Uh, you mentioned Devin Vassell. I think Kelly Johnson is a pretty solid pick. Honestly, due to the fact that, like you said, Spurs at home are a much different team than they are when playing uh, away. And also because the matchups, I think Kelly Johnson could have some matchups where he could kind of exploit in terms of his physicality. Uh, we know Kelly Johnson, he's, uh, I think, probably among the definition of players when it comes to hot or cold. Uh, because he could have some of these cold games, but the games where he's hot, he is really hot. And I think... Uh, this game against OKC where he may be able to use his physicality to his benefit, especially because as great as Chet is, and I, I really like him as a rookie, uh, I do think Chet does need more muscle. And I think Hilton Johnson may be able to, I want to say, use his physicality to get some space or just get some buckets off uh, against him or Jalen Williams. And in my budget pick, I did not go for Cam Whitmore, but I do really like that pick. 
I decided to go with Asar Thompson at 4,500. Uh, so I guess Detroit's rookie. And uh, this is just a player who hopefully has kind of getting back into the groove. He did have a couple solid games. He was on a really cold stretch, I want to say, for the longest time, uh, where his value dropped all the way to like 3,000. Uh, but it's, he's had uh, two 30 DK fantasy points games, uh, and I want to say in the past four or five games. Uh, so you're hoping at 4,500 against the Charlotte Hornets, he should be able to at least have a similar performance, or if not, get around 25 DK fantasy points. Uh, and yep, that's it when it comes to my small forwards. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Osar was definitely on my radar as well, and potentially someone that I was thinking about on the power forward side. So a bit of a uh, spoiler on that side, but I, I like that you're thinking what Detroit is hopefully starting to see, which is that uh, they don't have much else to play for. Play that man his minutes. <laughs> It was annoying me in season-long fantasy, and it's uh, been annoying me in DFS. So we're hopefully going to get some of that to start to clear itself up. But as far as power forwards itself are concerned, we're just starting up at the top over here. And, you know, as much as uh, we're not necessarily going to see a repeat of what Carl Anthony Towns did in that last game against uh, Charlotte, where he went for 62 points in a match that ended up being a loss for them. Uh, some of it was just ridiculous. Like the calls that Carl uh, Anthony Towns didn't get down the stretch were some pretty annoying ones, but at the same time, Minnesota themselves played absolutely terribly in that fourth quarter to end up losing a game that they never should have lost. So very sad state of affairs over there. But as far as Cad himself is concerned, obviously it's great to get uh, his confidence up. I mean, he hadn't been putting up these kind of field goal attempts for a while until now. So he obviously built off of what was a hot start for him and hopefully be looking to uh, maintain that coming up against another very favorable matchup for him against the Washington Wizards away from home. So it kind of works out both ways because Washington has been uh, pretty crap overall, but better at home versus versus away. So you're hoping that uh, they can keep it a little bit closer on here. We're still waiting on a on a final spread as far as uh, this matchup is concerned, but I expect that uh, we're likely going to see Minnesota uh, pretty comfortably ahead. In fact, it looks like it has come up here where Minnesota is being favored to win by 11 on a 231 uh, total game. So, you know, 8,100, I think, is a safe enough price tag for Cat that even if he's not necessarily playing the absolute full boatload of his minutes uh, up against Washington, he should still uh, be able to put up some pretty pretty big stats in even a 31-32 uh, minute night. So, really, that's what you're hoping for, to be able to give you that uh, upside of being able to get into the uh, mid-40s, uh, sometimes even closer to 50s, if he can get uh, the rest of his game going with that. So, it's probably the first... Uh, expensive guy that I've been interested in so far. But again, I, I just think there's so much to like as far as these uh, these mid-tier options are concerned. And uh, going down into the, uh, the power forward side of things, again, in the mid-tier side, I'm just going to continue to like Jalen Johnson as a, as a regular pick for me. Now, re- regardless of the fact that he's not been uh, just absolutely lighting it up from outside, he had an absolute stinker of a game against Sacramento where he ended up shooting four of 18. What is going to be absolutely undeniable is the fact that he's going to play those 38 minutes that he's played in three out of his last five games. And even in the other two ended up with 34 plus minutes. So the upside remains there. We know that he has the capability to be able to rack up a lot of steals and blocks that if he can get even a couple of those going, uh, then the rest of his, uh, his line ends up working out because he averages about eight rebounds a game alongside the fact that he has the upside to uh, get you 20 plus points. If he is shooting his consistent 16 to 18 field goal attempts and, and having a decent night from the field. So he he remains one of my favorite 
kind of Atlanta players in general, my favorite uh, power forwards for the price tag that he usually sits around, because I do think he's going to eventually find himself in the 8,000s pretty regularly, given uh, what his role and his um, his responsibility has been. So I'm going to continue to uh, deal with this as it lasts, and I do believe Golden State is a good enough defensive matchup for him to be able to uh, get himself into a, a pretty good scoring position. Moving down into uh, some other mid-tier options, I, I already mentioned uh, a little bit about uh, Jeremy Sohan a little bit earlier, that he's actually benefited a lot from how his role has, uh, has evolved. He's not necessarily being required to be the primary ball handler with everything else that's going, but what it has given him is a little bit more energy to be straight up more attacking on the offensive end. Uh, what we had seen kind of earlier on the season is that uh, not only would his field goal attempts be down, but then as a result, he'd be playing pretty passively and he would not get the supporting stats that he has been now over the last uh, over the last week and a half, two weeks now. What that has meant is that his floor has risen quite a bit. Uh, his price tag, which was sitting in the 5,000s now, is uh, you know deservedly sitting at 6,000 at this point now, where at the last five games, he's had uh, four games of which we've had 32 or more DK points, showed his upside in that Atlanta game where he ended up with 46 uh, DK points on that night there. But more so than that, his, uh, his rebounding totals have really seen a positive uptick over the last little bit where he's had uh, seven or more rebounds in four out of his last five games, eight rebounds in three of those. And you know, even though his uh, his pure assist total has gone down uh, from what we were seeing at some points earlier in the season, what we have seen is an uptick in, in the other sides of his game. He's taking more three-point attempts. He's uh, finding himself getting a couple more stocks as a result of his focus on kind of the defensive end and uh, being a bit more of a, uh, I don't want to say three and D guy, because he has a long way to go as far as his three point shot is concerned, but he has a, a bit of a, a bit of kind of young Draymond about him in terms of how he plays his game. And there's a lot to like in terms of his capability to be able to st- stuff the stat sheet. So definitely looking at him. And then since I already mentioned Draymond, I'm definitely going to keep on with that, uh, with that uh, train as well. I expect that his minutes are going to be coming back to normal. He obviously played 24 minutes in his first game back from Memphis and then got nine days off. So hopefully he's been uh, keeping himself in uh, some pretty good training and conditioning, all of that, that they were hoping to get himself fully back into so that he can come out all guns blazing in this matchup here. So assuming that we're seeing that restriction or, or whatever else kind of removed about him, I think he gives you once again that upside to be able to get into the 40 DK point mark in a matchup that's going to be up-tempo, and I just think works perfectly for a, a Draymond type of player. Uh, some solid picks. I do want to say maybe Jeremy Solskjaer should be considered to because he did hit 50% of his threes last game, three for six, uh, which is really <laughs> surprising. Uh, but you're right. I mean, he's been really solid, and I'm, that's a really great pick. Uh, I mean, a couple of your other picks were really good, too, because they're also on my list, and that's Towns at 8,100. Uh, like you mentioned, uh safe and could also just be a really solid pick of course maybe he'll get 60 points again uh actually it isn't really that not like it doesn't sound impossible because it is the wizards uh he'll most likely be guarded by kuzma uh but of course i think realistically you can still probably expect like something like 45 plus dk fantasy points uh because this wizards team is not good like you said and even their centers i want to say aren't the tallest centers besides marvin bagley but he will probably be fighting with legal bear on the rebounds uh, fighting might be an over-exaggeration, but you know what I mean. Uh, and then mid-tier area, I, I went Draymond Green at 5,800. Like you said, I mean, he's hopefully been training, hopefully been getting some good conditioning done so he can play a good amount of minutes and hopefully start. 
Uh, of course, we probably don't even know what the starting lineup is going to look like because Draymond was suspended. I think they did a whole switch up of having like two point guards and Kaminga starting. So I don't know what the starting lineup is going to look like. But at 5,800, Draymond Green sounds like a really safe price to go for and a price that a player that we know is going to play a good amount of minutes and going to have an impact, uh, especially because with no CP3, he might be the second best playmaker on the team now. Uh, so at 5,800, it's a really solid price to go for. And then my budget pick, I decided to go with George's kneeing at 4,000. Uh, honestly, this is just one of those fire picks. Of course, it's always difficult to find a budget pay, player who in, in that range who you can think will have a great night. But George's kneeing, uh, honestly, just due to the fact that they still don't have Garland, they still don't have Mobley. So they definitely need some people to shoot the ball. And uh, I think George's kneeing has had a couple of good games. He, I think his best game came against Milwaukee where he had 32 points. Uh, so, uh, I mean, it'd be amazing if you can do that again. Uh, but realistically, if you can just get around 20 plus big fantasy points, I think at 4,000, the solid price for George's knee. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I always uh, joke with my friends that George Niang looks like one of those guys from the YMCA that uh, got onto the wrong wrong bus and just found a way to get, stick around in the NBA. But he just does those little things that help uh, keep him on the floor. And you know, he can get hot from the uh, three-point line. So not the worst flyer to be able to take, depending on how the rest of the rotation works out on that given game. Uh, moving on to the center side of things, we're looking at the last uh, bunch of guys that do give me some uh, some interest over here. Uh, first off, I'm just really going to be kind of sticking with the uh, with the same trend that I have have had up until now, until he absolutely lets me down, and that is Alper and Shengun, 8300 at the at this point. I mean, his price tag usually remains around the same mark because he's just so incredibly consistent in what he does. He's very much a mini Jokic with how he's able to basically find uh, different ways to contribute across the stat line, even if he's not necessarily scoring at a huge clip on a given game. But to his credit, last uh, last five games now, he's had pretty much 19 or more actual points in four of those five games, has been shooting about 54% in that time, and has had uh, uh, 10 or more rebounds in four of those games as well. So just continues to put up stat lines that are absolutely monstrous without even necessarily looking like a monster stat line it's just how he ends up uh, contributing so for him to be at 8300 not only is he a safe cash play night in and night out but he gives you more than enough gpp upside to show you what he can do and he's shown that in his last two games where he ended up with 69 and 57 dk points respectively so lots to like over there uh going a little bit lower than that uh Again, that Charlotte and Detroit matchup continues to be one that I think will give you a lot of opportunities to be able to find guys that can do really well. And the first one who's going to do that is Jalen Duran, who already has had one monster game against Charlotte earlier this season where he only needed to shoot eight times in that game, but ended up with a monster double-double and uh, 44, almost 45 DK points on that night as well. So uh, for him, as a guy who can rack up a ton of boards in a hurry, it's less about kind of how well his offense is going, but more about how many of those rebounds can lead to putbacks, for example, is shown to be a very, very solid offensive rebounder. Very little size in general on the Charlotte side to be able to go ahead and bother him. So I do expect that Detroit will be targeting this game as another potential one where they can hopefully rack up another win for their uh, for their season and not be uh, on these long losing streaks. I think they're on uh, three in a row right now, but all against a tough playoff team. So hopefully following up on uh, on a couple of good efforts by Jalen Duran and have him be a guy who can rack up 40 DK points on a night in a matchup that's going to be up-tempo and with guys that just absolutely can't hang with him. So something to keep an eye out there. 
Uh, at the same note, uh, they've kind of been running these uh, two big lineups over there where Isaiah Stewart has also gotten the opportunity to be a lot more involved with uh, with more minutes than you might be expecting. But what you're seeing is that while Duran is kind of expected to be the cleanup guy, get the boards, not necessarily be looking to create a lot of offense himself, Isaiah Stewart on, on his side has actually gotten the opportunity to not only be a little bit more involved in the pure shot making, but he's also taking a pretty surprising amount of threes over the last uh, last little bit now. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily expect it before uh, games in a row where he shot five or more three-point attempts in that time. He's actually hit uh, some a little close to uh, 37% of, of those ones over there. So, I mean, not I wouldn't necessarily say you want him to be gunning from out there, but it's obviously something that he's been working on as far as his game is concerned and, uh, and to try and keep himself uh, on the floor in different ways. So while that uh, has led to perhaps his rebounding total being a little lower than what we would otherwise hope, he's still been able to keep it around uh, six, six and a half to seven, which uh, does give you some pretty good upside given the fact that he's also got the ability to rack up some blocks in a hurry. He's looking at 10 blocks in his last three games over here. So a lot to like as far as his upside is concerned. And for 5,500, I think it's a, it's a safe enough floor for you to be able to take a punt on that. And then finally, uh, this is more of a, Kind of flyer pick because it is on a back-to-back and I and I expect that well not on a back-to-back sorry on a on a day off in between and I expect that uh, in that Minnesota Washington game over there they are going to get Nas Reed out on the floor a little bit more given that he only had to play 15 minutes in that uh, in that Charlotte game over there uh, to his credit he had been coming in on a very hot streak as far as pure scoring is concerned averaging 19 points in the two games prior to that. Uh, those 15 minutes were obviously because Carl Anthony Towns was on such a such a heater for this side that they just ended up focusing all the offense through him. So I do expect some normalization to come in that. And similar to kind of what we've been talking about, some of these other bigs are here. Nas Reed has been really solid from outside, especially his capability to be able to hit threes in um, in both home and away situations, averaging over well over 40 percent for the season as far as uh, his pure uh, three point shooting is concerned. And he's actually one of those uh, rare guys that are at that uh, 50-40 scenario and, and actually still shoot about 80% from the free throw line as well. So a very uh, interesting skill set that he ends up having and finds himself being a, a very useful contributor for Minnesota. And from a value pick perspective at 4,900, it gives you enough upside to be able to get you into the high 20s. So always something to uh, keep in mind. Uh, well, you did have a, a one similar pick to me. I think I was going to go for Singun as my big, you know, high expensive center. Uh, but I didn't really want to go in that expensive tier, but thankfully I didn't because we would have had the same pick. Mm. Uh, but we did have the similar pick in terms of the mid-tier, and I was Jalen Durant at 6,800. Uh, don't want to speak too much on him because you already said everything. And that's, I mean, Jalen Durant is a solid player. We know his stat lines can be pretty insane. Uh, and of course, Kate coming back, you'll have a point guard who can probably find him a lot more than I think Killian Hayes or any of the other people who may will may have found him before. Uh, and then a bit cheaper than that, I went for, I mean, the 5,000 range, I went for Derek Lively the second at 5,100. Uh, this is just in terms of, I mean, and this is in case, I guess, if Kyrie and Luca play, because if they don't play, I don't think, I don't think Tim Hardy Jr. is going to find Derek Lively because, you know, every, every time he gets the ball, it'll be, probably be a shot. <laughs> uh, but if they do play, I think this will be a competitive game. I think, Compared to the centers, maybe Derek Lively might be the one who probably gives the most trouble to a Nurkic or just any of the other players because he is a, a really good pick-and-roll center. And then uh, even even more cheaper than that, I decided to go with uh, another flyer pick, I guess, part of the basketball tree with the uh, George's Neeing and Kyle Anderson's, and that's 
Danilo Gallinari at 3,700. Uh, I think this would also be his game playing with Cade. I mean, they had to have made that trade for some reason, right? Couldn't possibly be just a trade Isaiah Livers and get old Danilo Gallinari. So, so at 3,700, I mean, I, hopefully he can hit some buckets because, well, I think you trade for him. <laughs> I mean, it just sounds like it's a, a cap space relieving effort, uh, maybe getting a little bit of mentorship in that uh, in that locker room. But yeah, I don't I don't expect Gallinari's going to be a big piece as far as uh, the future for Detroit's concerned. So, but again, that does uh, bring us to you know a bunch of different ways that you can go about uh, taking a look at the slate over here. Obviously, I think you we both uh, come to the consensus that there's a lot of upside in the mid-tier in this specific slate. You don't necessarily have to be looking at kind of the massive spend-ups if you can end up avoiding it and have that uh, kind of fit in. And really, there aren't even that many uh, you know big spend-ups that you can really go towards unless you are you know really interested in taking uh, someone like a uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, given what the matchups are looking like. So definitely hit us up. On, uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, you can find me at HAK underscore devil, where you can talk to me about kind of your uh, ways to approach a, a slate like this. Eight games obviously gives you a lot of uh, potential ways to be able to go about uh, really getting it up. So who are your kind of pillar plays looking into uh, looking into some of this and you know, look out for uh, the DFS delivery tomorrow to help give a little bit more context on that as well? For me, is where can the people find you? Uh, they can find me at Twitter at two nice spell T O zero underscore nice underscore. And before we leave, do you want to do a bit of a Spurs duel, I guess? Because I think Kevin <laughs> Johnson and Jeremy Social are the same price. And I don't think we went for the uh, Fair enough. Well, I, I do think uh, Sohan a bit more expensive, but whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally down with that. I am uh, absolutely on on board with uh, with Sohan having a big night. So if you can outdo Keldon Johnson, let's uh, let's get another dub in the pocket for. HAK over here, you know? I, I think they're around the same price. It's only 200 more. All right. Well, you got it. Well, we'll go ahead and keep an eye out on those matchups there. But until then, uh, we'll, uh, keep a, uh, we'll keep it real on our Discord, on Twitter. Definitely get yourself subscribed to Sports Ethos to get all that content available to yourselves. And until we see you again, let's take down some of those GPPs.